This is Story Quest. Brand new stories you'll want to hear again and again. Back in their own cave, Uncle Raj and Tala are reviewing their efforts to save their forest and park from the chop. Suddenly, Uncle Raj's twin brother, Vijay, arrives. They may be twins, but they are two very different tigers. Uncle Raj is rather stiff and formal. He served 10 years as regimental mascot with the 52nd Frontier Rifles. Even now, every morning, he proudly pins on his long service medal and carefully brushes his fur. so his forearm markings from perfect sergeant stripes vijay is so different a free spirit in his flowing kaftan beads and with a garland of freshly cut marigolds around his neck his idea of a perfect start to the day is to meditate for an hour followed by yoga and some sitar playing until it's time for his vegan breakfast but uncle raj is happy to see his twin today Vijay, thank goodness you're here. Tala explains the threat to Tigeropolis, that it's due to close due to lack of tiger spotting tourists, since she and her family have been hiding away for a quiet life, out of sight and safely away from poachers. Vijay is instantly on board. Just tell me what I can do to help. Actually, brother, you're just in time for our next lesson. We are going to learn to hunt. Tourists expect to see fearsome kings of the jungle. They expect us to hunt. Hearing this makes BJ uneasy. It was him who'd persuaded the tigers to go vegetarian. Uncle Raj notices his brother's obvious discomfort, but ignores it, turning to the cubs. Practice in thirty minutes. Meet at the edge of the meadow. The family obediently arrive for their next lesson. With Uncle Raj is a fit-looking samba deer. Neither Bitu nor Mutti recognized him. He wasn't from Tigeropolis, that was for sure. This is Anshul. Uncle Raj announces proudly, "He's from Bollywood." Bollywood? Mutti is super impressed. Bit too too. They break into their favorite dance routine. Tala can see her cubs getting carried away. Calm down, you two. This is serious. Pay attention. You're not here to audition. We're here to learn. <laughs> Bit too groans. I'm sure your uncle Raj knows what he's doing. Tala expressing confidence in Uncle Raj doesn't quite ring true. She could understand if he was bringing in someone from Planet Menders, but Bollywood? What is Uncle Raj thinking of? Not amused, Uncle Raj continues. As I was saying, Anshul runs Deer Devils. They do the stunts on all the big Bollywood action films. The strapping deer steps forward. Thanks Raj. 
The key thing to understand is that you don't actually need to hunt. You just need to make your audience believe you're hunting. The cubs exchange confused glances. It's what we do all the time in the movies. It's not real. You control what your audience sees. Or in this case, what the tourist doesn't see. You plan everything and you work as a team, hunter and hunted. Oh, do you get this, Matti? Uh, nope, but keep listening, bro. Anshul scratches his hoof on the ground to emphasize his point. Three simple rules. One, don't let the tourists get too close to the action. Two, always keep yourselves between the audience and your prey. And three, timing, butts in Uncle Raj. Timing is vital. Anshul shoots a sideways glance at Uncle Raj for the interruption. As I was about to say, the moment you pounce, the animal you're chasing needs to fall. Got that? Everyone nods. A quick rollabout in the dust and job done. The dustier it gets, the better. So humans watching from a distance can't be sure what's actually happening. You mean like a smokescreen? You got it. And the great thing is, the guides know better than to disturb what they think is a successful hunt. So they'll quickly drive on. When they're out of sight, you can get up, dust yourself down and get on with your day. Boom. Uncle Raj looks at his family. They all seem convinced, but it was time to put Anshul's theory into practice. Anshul calls his daughter Pika forward, turning to Bittu. Right then, young lad, after seeing all that nifty footwork in your dance routine, I'm sure you'll be able to give Pika a great chase. Just remember what I said. Pika will run away, you chase. When you get close, you need to cue her. So call out, three, two, one. On one, you leap towards her. She'll fall and you both roll on the ground. Got that? Bittu nods, eager to try. Get set, go! Pika bolts away and Bittu tries to give chase but he's not fast enough and Pika's out of sight in a flash. He tries for a second time but trips on a termite mound and ends up sprawled in a heap in the dust having to flick off an army of angry termites. But the third time... Did you see that? A classic tiger takedown. Anshul is satisfied. Great work, you two. Any tourist photographing that from where we are standing would be convinced they just witnessed the most amazing wildlife experience. They'd be rushing back to their rooms to upload images on TikTok and Instagram. Soon visitors would be pouring in. Uncle Raj is happy to hear Anshul's praise. Lesson two is complete. Only Pika seems unimpressed. But next time, Bittu, trim your claws. This 
is a Bell Media production narrated by Ashwika Kapoor, written by R.D. Dijkstra, story editor Angela Salt, supported by the Audio Content Fund. And now it's time for the second of our Tigeropolis Eco Features, exploring conservation and the environment. This week's topic is rewilding. Today, we're on a safari to a very special farm. It's Nep Farm in West Sussex, with expert safari guide Tom Forward and the children of Shipley Primary School. Welcome, children of Shipley Primary School. My name's Tom. I'm your safari guide today, and we've just set off to explore a thousand acres of wilded land and we'll come to what that means in a minute but are we taking a little stop here to have a look at some Tamworth pigs. This is this year's piglets born on a cold frosty morning out in the bramble thickets there somewhere and they're here for a very special job on this farm. It's not an ordinary farm, it's a farm that was once a dairy farm and a cereal farm growing cereal crops like wheat and maize and it never made any money. And Charlie and Izzy, who own this estate, and they live in the castle in the middle block over there, had to scratch their heads a little bit and go, what can we possibly do with this bit of land that doesn't grow good cereal crops because it's yucky heavy clay and you will drive through some of that in a minute. So how about using farmland differently? How about putting Tamworth pigs in? Longhorn cows, red deer, fallow deer. What have I missed from my big six? Exmoor ponies, we'll go and try and see those as well. And maybe introduce some white storks. What does that do? What does that allow? So are you ready for that? Yeah. Yes. Good. Got one of the adult pigs in here. She's maybe three times the size of him, so we won't get any closer. Well, she was just grunting at him, saying, Go away, I'm fed up, I don't want you bothering me while I'm having a snooze in the shade. How long did it take to rewind an area, roughly? Well, they've been trying this for 20 years, and we've seen in that time, look right behind us here, we've got young woodland that's already three times as tall as you are. And that's just come there with the wind, with the birds. It's been shaped a little bit by those big animals that we've seen around here. So it doesn't take very long. Nature comes back if you give it time, even just a short amount of time, faster than we think. And sometimes, as we've seen here, you don't need to plant trees. Trees can plant themselves if you leave the space for them to do it. And often it's helped out by things like bramble, which along the way are food for lots of things. And in the case of here, habitat for nightingales, which is a rare songbird that's come back. Right, we've only got one of our big six, right. uh, the clock's ticking, so let's, let's go, go. Back, get back in the vehicle and I need your help. Ooh. I didn't see that big red deer that was reported over there. I saw so We'll just keep our eye out. Yeah. Waste yeah. dog. Eggs more ponies. Pigs. Um, just uh, mind your step as you get up. But there are not many hills here, so it's really useful to get up a bit higher uh, and have a look out on the scene in front of us. So off you go. You can just about see the old hedgerows. This used to be a field. Imagine 
in 2005. This is a bare field after the last harvest of wheat. And look at it now. Clumps of bramble, lots of uh, ragwort and fleabane flowers which have gone over now, but that's in there. And then popping out of the clumps of bramble, the little baby oak trees. Oh, here's a buzzard coming in through here. That's me doing a buzzard. Oh, it's landed up. Oh, Look at that. Wow. And there's a pigeon oh, yeah. flew away. Now, yeah. a pigeon is a bit scared of birds of prey, so the pigeon flew out of that tree as soon as the buzzard landed in there. Oh, where's the buzzard gone? Uh, it's still just perched on the top of that oak tree there, yeah. There it goes, it's taking off. Oh, that's massive. Yeah. Oh, it's, on, it's hunting as well. Yeah, there we go. Oh, it's just dropped down to the ground. So I don't know what he was after. Maybe a small mammal or something. Yeah, that was a pigeon. Yeah, good. Where's the question? That is a yellow hammer, and that's a, that's a declining farmland bird. It's not having a good time on our farmland because there's not much for it, not enough for it to eat anymore. Whether it's or oh, it's just taken off that, that buzzard yes, again. Yes. Um, but luckily, the yellow hammers are doing well here because there's lots of seeds for them to eat. There's lots of caterpillars to feed their babies on in springtime, and um, they're the bird that when you're in this field in spring, you hear this little bit of bird noches. That's their song. Little bit of red nooches. But this time of year, it's not breeding season, so you don't hear that song. Um, but that is the sound of spring in these fields, which are almost like young woodlands now, as you can see over there. Good, so we've seen a female fallow deer. They're one of the animals that were put in here, and we've seen pigs, so we're after red deer. Keep your eyes out. Cattle, storks maybe, and ponies. Ponies next, probably, yes. Ponies. Just like the Tamworth, which is an old breed, uh, the Exmoor is also an old breed of pony. Uh, very hardy, and annoyingly, these guys have got a thousand acres to play in, but they only prefer this field. So you can pretty much rely on them being here and nowhere else. So they're kind of creatures of habit, and I think we should just slowly walk up to them and get a bit of a closer view. These are almost oh, like the are. original wild pony. If you look at cave paintings of, of wild yes. horses, that's, these are what they look like. Why are the horses here? Why are the horses here? Well, look around you. What do you see? And um, if you're a horse, why do you think you'd be here? What do horses like to eat? Wheat. Wheat, yeah. If you give it to them in the concentrated food, sometimes they'll go for a bit of that. What else? Grass. Grass, exactly. Now this field is a really good grass field. So the ponies like to come here because they don't have to nibble around where there's bramble coming up or hawthorn or blackthorn, although they do nibble a bit of those every now and again as well, but they, their favourite is often grass. The day is actually perfect for the stalks to be catching the hot air thermals <laughs> underneath these puffy white clouds, so it's always worth keeping half an eye up to the sky for a big six-foot wingspan, long-legged, long-necked, long-billed, flying pandas I call them, uh, because they're black and white, um, circling above our heads. <laughs> right, so we came across those fallow deer in the woodland where there it's called a lek, which is where all the, the bucks, the, the big bucks that we saw, those nice big antlers gathered for the battle. It's really hops up by night. Now actually when you're here after dark, you hear a couple of really kind of impressive, slightly eerie sounds. The, 
the fallow bucks sound a bit like a, a, a grumpy Tamworth pig there who's kind of <laughs> and that sort of resonates out through the woodland and then uh, uh, in the kind of edges of the woodland you've got the red deer going oh and this huge really belly belly roar um, and uh, here now we just that's a great crested grebe actually here we are standing on a dam uh, that was put here to build up a head of water to drive a hammer for some ironworks just downstream but this is just beautiful beaver habitat in waiting and we hope one day that they'll come in here and they'll be gnawing some of these willow trees on the edges here and the willows know what to do if the beaver chops them down whoosh they come back again and they grow back even uh, more vigorously so that the willows can deal with that but um, in doing that the beavers are also by cutting them down they're creating dead wood they're building dams they're building lodges and making more wetland and then somebody asked about otters and I said well if the beavers are back doing their thing and making better wet wetland that means more fish and more frogs and all the things that feed on fish and frogs like grass snakes or otters and even the storks when it flooded the other day we watched them going along the edges of the floodwaters picking off small mammals like voles that are being washed out of their burrows by the floodwaters um, but I thought to bring you here it's a lovely view um, but there's also, this is where I found some grass snakes, so it's warm enough today um, and I'm hoping to be able to show you some of those. Are you up for that? Yeah. Now I'm going to lift up this tin. This tin is what we use to survey for reptiles. And one of the important jobs on this farm is seeing how nature is recovering, but also counting it. And if we see year on year that we're getting more grass snakes then that means that something is right here but if you're not counting how do you know what's happening and we know that grass snakes are struggling with loss of habitat so if we can have better habitat for grass snakes we will hopefully have more grass snakes so let's have a look I'm going to try and lift up this tin see if anybody's under here oh yeah look there's a little grass snake just flicking its tongue at us sniffing going what's going on here and that's probably one of last year's young grass snakes can you see it there Ollie yeah yeah they sense their environment partly with their eyes but also with their tongue and it looks like it's just getting ready to move can you see that lovely black and yellow collar at the back of its yeah. neck yeah. that's what tells us that it's not an adder it tells us it's a grass snake there it goes uncoiling itself oh how long do you reckon that's longer than a ruler yeah yeah a bit just longer about. than a ruler so that may be even two years old now but um, there it goes, off it goes, lovely. And they like these tins because these tins, they can warm up underneath. They need the sun's energy to warm them up to get them going. But they worry about being eaten by something like that common buzzard that we saw earlier. So if they're under there, they can warm up. That tin traps the heat, but a buzzard wouldn't be able to get it from under there. Mm. Right, we've got one more tin to check and we're gonna need to creep round the edge of this pond here and follow the tracks that have been made by the deer the pigs and the cattle so duck under these trees and uh, watch out for your eyes on the thorny bits and look at the tracks that we're uh, following as we go that's the oak bracket fungus there growing up what is probably around a 300 year old oak tree 300 years why is it so big well they live for a, a thousand years if they're lucky and uh, this one's just therefore coming up to a third of the way through its life and they get massive they become their, their own kind of ecosystem in their own right we can see look where the, the fungi are growing out of the base and the great spotted woodpeckers have drilled these holes into the tree for, to make nesting holes and those will be used by bats 
We know we've got 13 of our 18 bat species uh, occurring here at NEP. Um, blue tits might use them, nuthatches might use them, but this whole tree is a huge life support system for so many different living things. And those tiny little oak trees that we saw popping out maybe uh, 10 years old out of these clumps of brambles, maybe one day, if they're allowed to, they'll grow as big as this one here. Yeah. Uh, it kind of looks like there's like a little hole down there. I feel like there's something down there. Yeah, quite likely. I mean, the, the, these banks that the oak trees are growing out of are the places where the mice like to burrow, the badgers like to burrow. And this big hole here, it's almost, you know, half a meter deep in some places, is where the pigs were mining to try and get stashes of acorns that might be stored underground during the winter. So lots of things are interested in oaks. But as you can see under your feet, not many acorns this year for those jays and those pigs. Right, we'll huddle around this tin and see what this tin's got to offer, shall we? Sometimes we have slow worms. If you shuffle up and we get, make a bit of space, then we'll see two of our, of our potential reptile species here. Right, okay, are we in position? Mm -hmm. right, three, two, one. Oh, slow worm, there we go. I found one in the Oh, there we go. Let's have a look at this guy, shall we? Oh, there's a bit of shed skin there. Ooh. So this slow worm has just uh, shed its old skin and got a nice fresh skin underneath. Have a look at that. Yeah. Shiny. Very shiny, very smooth. You want to see how feel how soft it feels? Whoa. Whoa. Slimy. There you go. So this is a this is a slow worm. It's actually a kind of legless lizard. It's one of Ooh. our native reptiles. Yeah, gorgeous things. And who had them in their compost heap? You said you've got them in your compost heap. Yeah, well, as long as the cats don't get them. This one looks like a male, he's got a very long tail. But how do you tell where the tail starts and ends is a, another question altogether. <laughs> you have to look at where their vent is, so where they poo from over there. And that's a really long How one. are so they even poop? It's a bit like, comes out a bit like bird poo. You know how you get this sort of white and brown mixture of a bird yeah. poo? But if I held this guy by his tail, what would happen is it would, what would it do? It would drop off its tail, exactly, mm. and then I'd get left with a wiggling tail in my fingers. Mm. And this slow one would make it good its escape, but also um, uh, slowly grow back a new tail. Um, but it looks like the reptiles here, so the snakes and the slow worms, the grass oh, snakes and the slow worms that we've seen, are doing really well because they've got lovely, nice habitat. They like this edge habitat. So on the edge of this bramble here, that's come back by itself with some oak trees popping up in it, some new oaks. Uh, is where these guys like to bask. It's very, it's not so slow after all, is it? It's nice and warm. It's been in the sunshine under that tin, warming up, and now it's super fast. So I think it's probably a good time to let it go. And then we can think about what our final mission is before you guys have got to shoot back off to school. children do to help nature? Well I think one of the lessons from here is that actually sometimes just doing not very much can be a good thing just allowing nature to take its course so these trees and these brambles to find their own way in even in my garden I've done some little things to help nature and the simplest things that anyone can do is build a little pond in your garden even if you've got a tiny garden a small pond my one's only about as big as a, a washing up bowl and in there are already frogs breeding so just that that's a good question yeah and we I think we should all try and do something so, yeah, so, 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 so,
Ready? One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, very welcome. I, I really enjoyed meeting you guys and taking you around. And it uh, looks like we're going home with a few ladybird presents as well. And if you squeeze them, they put a yeah, and a bit of slow worm poo and a bit of ladybird poo. So I think we did well. Should we have one go on up for stalks on our way back? We've had a pretty good run. Uh, this is probably the fastest safari you've ever had to do. <laughs> This is a Bell Media production supported by the Audio Content Fund. Thanks for coming on a story quest with us. If you like that story, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you never miss an episode.